Welcome one and welcome all to the PFN Fantasy Podcast. I'm your host, Derek Tate. I'm alongside the one and only Kyle Sapi. You can find him over at Kyle Sapi PFN. Over on X, you can find myself at Derek Tate NFL. It is the post-Super Bowl Monday. We have officially entered the 2024 NFL offseason. Sapi, I got to find out, though. What Super Bowl prop bets did you hit on yesterday during the big game? Just out of curiosity. Hit on a few good ones. I ended up down where I placed a ton of bets. Like, you know, from the content, I ended up down $2. $2 after all was said and done, all this money's in play. I ended up down two stinking dollars. But I did have, I had both teams to punt on their first possession. It worked one way, it didn't work the other. So it was plus money both ways. So you win money that way. I had a, an under bet on 47 and a half. That comes through, no points early. That one came through. Not so much on Ayuk's longest catch. There were a few other options. I actually thought the 49ers would win. That obviously didn't happen. So up and down end up basically even. But how was your Super Bowl? I know you were sick going into it, but it sounds like you were okay for the big game. Uh, for the big game, I was able to have my traditional buffalo chicken dip. There we go. Is, that, that's, I mean, finally, my stomach started feeling a little bit better. And I was like, you know, should I test it? Yeah, I should. It's the yes. Super Bowl, so we'll be all right. <laughs> so uh, speaking of the Super Bowl, though, before we get into all of these NFL coaching changes, and by the way, if this is your first time coming across the YouTube channel, go ahead, subscribe, hit the like button, uh, click the bell so you get notified every single time. We drop a new bit of video content here on the PFN Fantasy YouTube channel. And of course, if you're listening via podcast, just subscribe, rate, review, five-star review. We really appreciate the love and support, but let's dive a little deeper into the Super Bowl, right? It's the last game sure. that we really have to discuss from the 2023 NFL season. And in a lot of ways, it was a great send-off. It was a great game with the highest stakes. And we saw kind of the coronation of Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs dynasty, I believe. You know, now they've got three Super Bowl rings in the Patrick Mahomes era. What are some of your biggest reactions and takeaways from this Super Bowl? I mean, from the game itself, how could you not be impressed with the kickers? Come on, 30% of the all-time field goals from 50-plus happened in one game. That was crazy, but again, we're not drafting kickers with any kind of thing, and I'm not going into kicker analysis anytime soon. I'm sure we'll get to that at some point in, like, April, where it's like, oh, yeah, like, college basketball's over. Let's get into some kicker rankings. I was impressed with that, but I was kind of impressed with these defenses, right? I mean, we knew it coming into the game that these defenses were talented. We thought, oh, maybe San Fran's got some holes up front. Isaiah Pacheco didn't really do a ton, not efficient at least. Patrick Mahomes gets there in the end with over 300 yards, but it took volume. It wasn't sexy. It wasn't pretty. But when the chips were down, the Chiefs make plays. And that's only the – that's what we've been saying for a half decade now. I don't know what stops Kansas City right now. Mahomes said on the MVP celebration after, the, the Chiefs are never underdogs. I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon. From a fantasy perspective, not a ton of takeaways here. All teams are – or both of those teams – are littered with all pros. We know Ayuk's great. We know Debo's great. He got banged up. We know Kittle was shut down early. Whatever. These guys are great. Travis Kelsey, obviously coming back for another season. He's going to be another top five tight end for me. That's not changing anywhere. Rasheed Rice continues to shine. He's their number one. I don't think a number two is going to happen in Kansas City unless they bring somebody in. But at this rate, you've got your stars, and that's plenty. You've got like seven of them on these two teams. You know, I appreciate all your takeaways, and certainly the kickers – we're some unsung heroes. They were in this impressive. One. Some impressive kicks, uh, in particular from Moody, who kind of had a rough postseason. So yeah, he gets the I, extra was, point blocked. <laughs> right, and you know certainly that you know that did play a factor, and we could dissect this game and, and some of the things that 
did or didn't happen. I mean, the, the punt hitting the back of Chris Conley's leg and McLeod not being able to scoop it up, that could have been looked mm-hmm. at as a turning point because up until that point, the Kansas City offense was really struggling. But I, I, I got to take a look at it that with the, when it comes to the Kansas City Chiefs, if you happen to have some success slowing down Patrick Mahomes early in a big game, you better capitalize on your opportunities and get a lead. <laughs> yeah. Because if you leave it close. A big lead. More than 10 points. <laughs> if you make it a one-possession game and number 15 oh, comes man. on the football field in a big moment, this guy, it just feels like he's going to deliver. It, it, we've seen it, and he's kind of unprecedented amount of success and, and dare I say dominant soppy that we just haven't seen from a quarterback this early in his career sure sure we know that Brady had three Super Bowl championships in in his first four years as a starting quarterback but the individual excellence from him yeah. sustained didn't really start happening until like 2007-2008 we've seen it from Mahomes from the jump and and the only guy that to beat him in a playoff game not named tom brady is joe burrow and goodness me it, <laughs> Sophie, tell me if i'm crazy and i'm not we're doing i know we're not doing all-time ranks here but i've got him as the number three if he were to re- retire today i have him as my number three quarterback all time the only two i have in front of him tom brady and joe montana like that's it that's the list yeah. And you can make a case that he should be ahead of Montana. Like, that's how great Mahomes has been. Like, am I crazy for putting him that high? Because am I being a prisoner of the moment here? No, I just don't think he can get to number one this early just because of what Brady did until he was 43, winning all the Super Bowls. But this is going to turn into LeBron and Jordan, right? I mean, it's going to be... LeBron is basically Brady, where you've got the resume, you've got the culmination of numbers over time, over time. And then you've got Jordan being kind of what Mahomes is right now and just being so efficient, so effective, so good for so from the jump. I mean, look, it, it's hard to quantify it because that doesn't even work because Jordan wasn't this good out of the gate like what Mahomes is doing right now, but he does have to sustain it. He's 28. Brady did it till he was 43. So, I mean, he's going to have to at least get another seven or eight years of this even to be in that conversation. So the, the acceleration up to top five status of all time was a lot quicker than moving from three to two to one. So we've got that, but I mean, I don't know what you say about this guy right now. He hasn't had a wide receiver one this year. It's been a rookie and an aging tight end. And that's what he took to the Super Bowl. It's, just, it's amazing. It's nothing short of that. Number one quarterback in dynasty and season long next year. I do believe we're going to be having that debate. And and I can, if, if I'm projecting, I do believe Mahomes is going to pass Montana at Not some point. Path. Because yeah. I, I, certainly if, we're, if we are taking you know, just the start of their respective careers. Oh, my God. I, I think that Mahomes has had a better start to his career than Tom Brady, and I and I don't say that lightheartedly because Tom won three in his first four years. But <laughs> Mahomes has been to four in his first six seasons as a starter, and he's been to the yeah. AFC Championship game every single year of his, of his career as a starter. Appreciate That's, it. Just you got to appreciate it, got to tip the cap. Certainly, we have seen nothing but greatness, and it's going to be very interesting to see how far Mahomes can really take it in the very near future because he's certainly not going anywhere, it seems like. But speaking of going somewhere, Soppy, we got to talk about some coaching changes because there's been quite a few across the National Football League, and we want to take a look, a deeper dive into the kind of the fantasy outlook change of some of the 
big name players in these respective offenses that we've seen now with uh, changes amongst the coaching staff. So we'll start in a place where we were all very frustrated as a fantasy community and probably as Atlanta Falcon fans with Arthur Smith this year, with B. John Robinson, with Drake London, with Kyle Pitts. Now we get Raheem Morris as the new head coach, and we've got Zach Robinson as the offensive coordinator. Sapi, what are some of your thoughts as the fantasy outlook and how it could potentially change with this coaching staff change there in Atlanta? Yeah, I'm glad you're hosting this podcast because frustrated isn't really strong enough of a word that I would have used, and I may have gotten kicked off this podcast, so I'm glad you used it. Yeah, it was frustrating in 2023. We know the talent that exists on this Atlanta Falcons offensive side of the ball here. And Zach Robinson, like the author author behind what clicked for the Rams. When they had Kyron Williams, weeks 12 to 17 last season, Mm -hmm. that's an extended stretch. I mean, you're talking over a month of time when he had his weapons. Stafford, quarterback six. Kyron Williams, quarterback or running back two. Puka, wide receiver 11. Cooper Cup, 19. Even Demarcus Robinson was inside the top 30 at the position. Are you telling me he can't get Drake London inside our starting lineup every single week? Are you telling me he can't put Bijan Robinson under the running back one overall conversation when it comes to season-long redraft and or dynasty? Why not? They just need something, something under center. Give me, give me quarterback average. Give me Jared Goff. Throw Jared Goff, throw Brock Purdy in there. Give me something along those lines, and obviously those guys aren't going to move there, but that level of play, and that's going to put Drake London in starting lineups, it's going to reinvent Kyle Pitts, and it's going to put Bijan Robinson as a league winner in 2024. Well, the passing game coordinator for the Los Angeles Rams and Zach Robinson last year, and the ability to garner the production that you you just alleviated to with multiple weapons and cogs in this offense— see an expanded role in a feature role deservedly so for talents like drake london and kyle pitts i'm so intrigued by how robinson is going to move these pieces around and get them involved but Bijan robinson in particular i don't know if you happen to catch one of the interviews that he did at radio row at super bowl with matt Harmon, who does reception perception he's mm-hmm. you know does some great work he's great yeah talked Bijan alleviated to a conversation that he had with Raheem Morris when he was named head coach and the way that those the way that Bijan lit up when <laughs> Raheem Morris was like reaching out to him say hey we're ready to do some things let's do this let's do it oh boy it has me excited they do got to get that quarterback position figured out that will be one of the most interesting positions to monitor who is going to be under center for the Atlanta Falcons but very I think the arrow is pointing up with Zach Robinson uh now in charge of the offense there in Atlanta. Let's move to the Seattle Seahawks. They named, they moved on from Pete Carroll. Mike McDonald is now the head coach. Uh, They did name a new offensive coordinator, and that is Ryan Grubb, um, staying in the state of Washington. So now we were looking at, we saw some of the success that Ryan Grubb had with three receivers over at Washington, Jalen McMillan, Jalen Polk, and Romo Dunze, which, you know, and Michael Penix had obviously two very, very high-flying, high-productive seasons under center for the Huskies. Now he's taking his talents to the Seattle Seahawks, where they've got the likes of DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, and Jackson Smith and Jigba. And oh, by the way, some nice pieces in the backfield. How do you kind of see this offense shaping up with a new changing uh, change of you know, offensive coordinator and head coach there in Seattle. I worry a little bit here because you're talking, I, we saw the Geno Smith decline, right? I mean, that was, I don't want to say inevitable, but kind of, I mean, 2022 was a breakout season for Geno. 
with the, the quotes about people writing them off and him writing them back and all that good stuff. And it was great for social media. It was great for clips, but it wasn't really what he was. I mean, he wasn't that good for a decade. He was great for one year, not taking that away from him, but then he reverted to not being so good again this season. I don't see a reason why that's going to change. I mean, his t touchdown rate dropped from a career high last year to more right in line with his mean. So what we got from Geno this past season, I think is kind of what we're going to get moving forward, which puts a three receiver set in a tough spot to consistently produce. You're going to get them one of them every week, maybe one and a half of them every week, but Tyler Lockett, the numbers don't look so good on him. Did his dynasty right up the other day and it's kind of yeah. trending in the wrong direction. He was a receiver that relied so much on efficiency and now you take Russell Wilson away from that. And now you take peak Geno Smith, which we got for whatever reason in 2022 away from that. Tyler Lockett on the downside of his career, not a guy I'm targeting at all in 2024. I don't care about the coaching changes in that regard. It's scary for me. I, this was an offense that was already 11th in yards per play last season. So I don't know how much room they have to grow. I think I'm going to be valuing them pretty similarly with the exception of Lockett, who's going to take a little bit of a hit. So I'm kind of on board with you when it comes to the receivers. I'm a little bit more optimistic um, about the passing game just because of the success we saw from the Washington Huskies. And, and I do sure. think that Ryan Grubb is a, is a, is a gifted offensive mind that's going to be able to have success uh, transferring from the collegiate level to the NFL. Of course, the man under center is going to have the most impact on whether yeah. or not that success translates uh, to fantasy production and consistent fantasy production. So there's a lot of mouths to feed currently right now with those three receivers, but also in the backfield, right? We're, we're talking about yeah, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet, two very, I think, gifted running back um, prospects out of the backfield. And we saw that Kenneth Walker was the leading back for the majority of this season. Uh, Charbonnet started getting a little bit more involved towards the back half of the year. And if we're looking at, at college, you know, Dylan Johnson was the leading you know, primary ball carrier for the Huskies last year by a wide margin. How do you see this backfield split going, or is that gonna is it gonna be a, a bit of a headache again for fantasy managers to heavily invest in Kenneth Walker with the fact that Charbonnet is going to be involved in some capacity? I think it would be a similar headache to some degree, but I don't think we're gonna be paying up for Walker like what we were heading into this past season. So that it'd be a headache, but you could treat it with a little less aspirin, if that makes sense, because it the impact is a little less. So you'll be getting your running back two, high-end running back two numbers for Kenneth Walker. And I think Charbonnet could well work himself into the flex conversation on a reasonably consistent basis here. I'd be surprised if either one of them was averaging 20 touches a game or anything like that. But with all these coaching changes, the thought here is that you're hiring good coaches. Why wouldn't you be hiring good coaches? And that they play to their personnel more so than they try to jam their systems into these guys. So I think he'll be able to work into a situation where it's, yeah, we could split these 25 touches, something like 16 to nine or something like that to where we can get two viable options there with Metcalf in the passing game, lock it. I, I think I would, right now, I think I'd rather flex Charbonnet than I would lock it heading into 2024. Speaking of headaches and aspirin, and maybe I need an entire bottle to talk about this team and this situation <laughs> oh, because the Los Angeles Chargers, well, wow. um, I agree. I think we agree that we like the hire of Jim Harbaugh. Yes, yes. And then there's Greg Roman as the offensive coordinator. There's a history mm -hmm. between Harbaugh and Roman. But there is a lot of potential change on the horizon for this offense. Austin Eckler, set to be an unrestricted free agent. The cap hit for Keenan Allen and Mike Williams is both north of $30 million. $30 million. Like, I'm not going to do a Dr. Evil thing, and I don't even know if you know that reference. But anyway... 
there's a lot of potential changes coming up, and we've got a very talented quarterback in Justin Herbert mm-hmm. now with you know significant changes along the coaching staff and in, in an offensive system, et cetera, et cetera. What do you? What type of impact do we think that these coaching changes and other potential roster moves are going to have on the fantasy outlook of the Los Angeles Chargers? Yeah, I mean, we're going to get sucked into the talent again because that's what we always do. It's Charlie Brown trying to kick a football. We always like the talent on this roster because, let's face it, they're talented players. We've seen it at peaks and valleys. Keenan Allen, great in his age 32 season. He was great. He was great on a consistent basis. Then he gets hurt. Mike Williams makes a few splash plays. He gets hurt. The only guy we didn't really see much from was Quentin Johnson, the guy they brought in to, in theory, fill in for these guys. So I'm cautiously optimistic this offense wasn't top 20 in yards per play or points per game that's unacceptable from the level of talent I don't care how many injuries you have so the hiring of a guy like Harbaugh who played to his strengths with the last time he was in the NFL he had Colin Kaepernick obviously a very different quarterback but they played to his strengths Alex Smith when he was there played to his strengths so if he identifies throwing the ball down the field is a strength of Herbert then Mike Williams is gonna get some more juice if it's the check down game Keenan Allen again could be in line for 100 catches I think this makes me a little more optimistic on Josh Palmer that they're gonna try to develop something understanding that you've got guys like you mentioned Allen could be on his way out Williams could be on his way out Quinton Johnson we don't know Austin Eckler definitely looks like he's on the back nine of his career if not the end of his Chargers career so they're going to try to breed some new blood into this situation Josh Palmer trending upward a little bit for me already a receiver I liked anyway in 2024 it's an interesting take but I I also am going to be very interested to see where they go with the running back position because Harbaugh and Roman certainly have a track record of wanting to run the football on their teams so the we don't know what's going to play out are the Chargers going to bring back Austin Eckler Probably not. Who knows? Uh, but, you know, they still have, I think, Isaiah Spiller under a rookie contract or under their rookie contract from a couple of years ago. And then it, it's going to be a pretty talented free agent class for running backs this year. Yeah. Um, so there's a lot to play out. I'm going to certainly be paying attention to the running back position and some of the other roster moves. And oh, by the way, they also have a pretty high pick in this upcoming NFL draft. Malik Neighbors is somebody that could certainly be on the board and maybe even Brock Bowers from Georgia. We'll see if they decide to go offense. You know, obviously there's a lot to play out, but certainly this is an offense that is going to be going with a lot. It's going to look very, could look very, very, very different than what we've seen in years past. Speaking of years past, I believe the reign of Derrick Henry in Long live the king uniform has probably come to an end, unfortunately, uh, for, for the Tennessee Titan faithful. But there's a new head coach, Mike Vrabel out, Brian Callahan in. You know, this offense has Will Levis probably going to be slated in as the starting quarterback heading into this upcoming season. Probably no Derrick Henry, which means maybe an expanded role for Tajay Spears. But what are some of your thoughts on the coaching change for the Tennessee Titans and the fantasy impact heading into 2024? Yeah, and obviously Callahan coming over from Cincinnati over the past four seasons. That That's going to lead to some people drawing the connection between him developing Joe Burrow and to him developing Will Levis. And I, I understand where you're going here, but Levis isn't Burrow. And this offense isn't built like that. Like, Burrow's a lot easier to develop when you've got Jamar Chase and T. Higgins there. That's, that's not quite what the Titans have these days. I don't know if you've heard, but they're a little wide receiver needy at the, at the moment. DeAndre Hopkins is there, but obviously, yeah, just a little. Obviously not in his peak anymore you've got Traylon Burks you've got some guys that are maybe nice pieces but it's nowhere near what he had in Cincinnati so I'm not making that jump not saying we'll love us as a top 15 quarterback anything like that but what has me interested is the last part and how you teed it up is Taji Spears I mean we saw Joe Mixon scored 37 touchdowns over the last three seasons 
all under Callahan. Not saying that Tajay Spears is going to do that, but we certainly saw him flash in his rookie season. Derrick Henry on his way out. I don't see any reason to think that 15 to 17 touches a game is unreasonable for Tajay Spears. Very much a, a running back two for me in 2024, and I'm comfortable with him. I saw enough in his rookie year, and I've seen enough from this organization that they're going to commit to him at the very least. I'm I, 15 to 17 touches for a talent like that puts you in fantasy starting lineups every single week, in my opinion. We're going to have to take a keep an eye on on this offense because I think it could be flying a little bit under the radar if they improve that offensive line. And Will Levis takes a step. Levis, we don't. Yeah. It's hard to project, but you know they still. I still have Traylon Burks, who I still think is a talented player. Just sure. has it. Obviously, has not. You know given us the level of production that many hoped for when he was drafted in the first round out of Arkansas. But I think that they still have some very talented pieces that are probably going to see an expanded role, an offense that is going to be flying under the radar quite a bit and a bit unpredictable, but it could give you a bit of a discount sure. on draft day. So speaking of draft day, and there is a franchise in the Northeast <laughs> An era, speaking of eras, coming to yeah, an end. No the Bill Belichick era uh, has come to an end, and the Gerard Mayo era has started, and the New England Patriots hold the number three overall pick in the 2024 NFL Draft. Soppy, you know, Ramondre Stevenson, and, and, you know, we maybe look at Demario Douglas, and this is a... That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what are your thoughts? Uh, does the... The fact that they went from Belichick to, you know, a linebacker and a defensive minded, uh, you know, coach, I would imagine, and, and Gerard Mayo. What are some of your thoughts on the coaching changes there in New England? And, and what can we potentially expect if we can try to expect anything from this New England offense? Yeah, it doesn't change much for me. DeMario Douglas is still very much on my I want a roster but not count on consistently radar. Like that's a mouthful of a tier, but I do think he's enough of a slot option in PPR leagues where he could pick up his six, seven, eight targets a game and get the job done there. Not an exciting way, more of like a Tyler Boyd when one of the receivers is missing kind of way. And it's not great, but it's worth a roster spot. And I don't think that changes here. People are going to look at the Raiders. They saw Antonio Pierce come in, players coach, rah-rah guy, get everybody going, Campbell in Detroit. Like we've seen this sort of thing work. But for fantasy purposes, you need some you need some groceries in the refrigerator here. Like he doesn't have it right now in this offense. And let's not... Let's not cut corners here. This is a good defensive division. I mean, the other three teams in this division, all top six in pressure rate. So if you don't have a quarterback you can trust, if you don't have playmakers you can trust, what are we doing? Ramadre Stevenson's still a fantasy starter for me, but that's about it. This is where it gets very interesting to see if the New England Patriots make any sort of play for a veteran quarterback instead of trying to pencil themselves in potentially at, with going with Jaden Daniels or yeah, Drake May or something like that at three overall, or do they sit in the three spot? And if it goes quarterback one, two, and you have Marvin Harrison Jr. sitting there, do you potentially go and make a play for Russell Wilson or another free agent quarterback uh, instead of investing at the quarterback position with that number three overall pick? There's a there's a lot to play out and a lot of needs on the offensive side of the ball for the New England Patriots. Yeah. Uh, not a, at this current moment, not a ton to get excited about, though. No. Speaking of exciting, Cliff Kingsbury is now the offensive coordinator for the yeah, Washington Commanders and the new head coach, Ron Rivera, out. Dan Quinn in. Moving within the division, going from the defensive coordinator of the Dallas Cowboys to now the head coach of the Commanders. Cliff Kingsbury's interesting, though. Had a lot of 
one-on-one -on -one working experience with Caleb Williams yeah. over at USC and Lincoln Riley. And the commanders have the number two overall pick, but they also have Sam Howell. What, and we, you know, we, we have Terry McLaurin, we have Jahan Dotson, we have Brian Robinson Jr. What are some of your thoughts about this commander's offense? And they can, this is an offense that's going to look a little bit different now with Cliff Kingsbury as the OC and, and could go quarterback at number two overall. Yeah, if they end up with Williams, I'm going to be awfully excited. I'm excited anyway because Kingsbury, he's shown us. I mean, in 2019 to 2022, he took over the Cardinals, right? The year prior to that, 2018, they were the last offense in yards per play. They were the last offense in points per game. He was there for a couple of years. They're top 20 in both those categories. Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen overnight, but with Caleb Williams, if they can get Caleb Williams into this system, they've got two viable receivers, if not a third in Curtis Samuel. You've got a viable running game. You've got a defense that allows points, so they're going to have to get up and get going. To me, Washington is the sneaky offense. You were mentioning Tennessee earlier. Washington's one that I want to invest in. I believe in their talent. Jahan Dawson is a good player. He's not going to be a consistent one, but I think he can be a better version of what Gabe Davis is. He can have those spike weeks and produce much like he did his rookie season, not so much his sophomore year. Terry McLaurin is a target earner. To me, Terry McLaurin is trying to be unlocked the same way Garrett Wilson is in New York. If you get him some stable quarterback play, I think he could be looking at a top 15 receiver without much you don't really have to squint there, but something you'll notice in all of these coaching discussions is the quarterback question marks, and that's nothing short here. So if they don't end up, I would prefer Williams. If they get May or Daniels or one of these other quarterbacks, I'm going to be more interested than if they go with whatever else at two and decide to roll the dice with Sam Howell for another year. But I am encouraged Cliff Kingsbury is an upgrade for the Washington Commanders skill, guys. Very interested to see what direction they go. Are they going to have to move up to number one overall? What do they give up to move up to number one overall to take Caleb Williams? Are they, you know, are you fine with taking Drake May or Jaden Daniels? Uh, you know, there's a lot that could, you know, a lot of different scenarios that could play out. But I mean, we've seen rookie quarterbacks come in with a talented, gifted play caller, a la Cough Cough, CJ Stroud, and Bobby Slowick yeah. there in, in yeah. Houston and have success and make two pass catchers very fantasy relevant. Um, which I think could be the case if if they hit a home run here and do this correctly, which the commanders haven't done a whole lot correctly roster-wise. Wow. But I believe, I, I'm with you, that I think Jahan Dotson's a good player. And yeah, he's had two disappointing seasons. He's flashed ability. I think in the right situation, he can thrive as a 1B to Terry McLaurin's sure. 1A. Um, so it, it, I'm very, very intrigued and far more optimistic about the commander's offense than I am that of the New England Patriots, even though they're yeah. picking in the two and three spot. Uh, I'm very, very intrigued by the commanders and how their offseason plays out. It is an offense that I'm, I'm definitely willing to invest in. Speaking of offenses to invest in, Dave Canales goes from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers as the offensive coordinator to now the head coach of the Carolina Panthers. Carolina Panthers have fired their head coach in season two consecutive seasons. <laughs> so Dave Canales may be already on the hot seat. Who knows? Yeah, yeah. But, <laughs> so, uh, but he, he goes into an offense where they're devoid of a true number one wide receiver. They're yeah. also devoid of a first round pick because they sent that over to the Chicago Bears last year to move up from eight all the way to number one to take Bryce Young who is slated to be the starting quarterback. Rough, rough rookie season. 11 touchdown passes to and to 10 interceptions in 
16 games played. It was ugly there in Carolina. But when you have, you know, Adam Thielen as your number one wide receiver, Jonathan Mingo as Chark. your number two, DJ Chark, who, you know, at times you forgot he even was on the roster. Uh, you know, no offense to DJ Chark. It just was a, a very uninspiring passing attack. Uh, we did see Chuba Hubbard kind of emerge as the leading bell cow, but what are you? What are your expectations for this offense? Now that Dave Canales, uh, a lot of wide zone principles and had some success resurrecting the career of, of Baker Mayfield there in Tampa, had some success. Um, what are your thoughts with Dave Canales now as the head coach? Yeah, and people are going to want to point to, and I get it, the success he had with Baker Mayfield, career high in completion percentage, career high in touchdowns this past season. But it's funny what a Hall of Fame receiver will do and a you know a slot option like Chris Godwin that can get open and a basically a receiver playing running back. Like, he had some weapons there. What are we working with here? Hubbard, I'm not sure, is much more than an average running back. They paid Miles Sanders a bunch of money. We that That's not, not it. Adam <laughs> Thielen on the back nine of his career. The Jonathan Mingo's interesting in a Demario Douglas kind of way. This is, I don't want to say this is a poor man's version of the New England Patriots, but I'm not going to not say it. This is a team I want no investment of. If you want to go Hubbard a little later because he falls down draft boards, I think he should get the volume there. But I mean, come on. This, a coaching change, you can't, a coaching change doesn't add talent to a team. It, in theory, helps you elevate the talent you have on the roster, and maybe it opens you up to some creativity when it comes to moves. So maybe we'll see something in that regard. But this is still a Bryce Young offense, still very much a developmental project. Can I also, actually, I'm going to argue with you. I think he's actually safe. No hot seat because nobody wants firing a coach three years in a row. Nobody wants that on the resume. So I think by default, he stays around a couple of years, gets a little bit of a chance to go with Bryce Young here. Maybe this is good for Bryce Young's dynasty value, but for a redraft, I have no interest in the Panthers. See, I'll, I'll give a little bit of pushback because what I saw as a play caller from Dave Canales this season, I was very encouraged. Uh, a lot, of, a lot of play action, a lot of the ability to keep defenses honest, and and even with a running game that wasn't super no, wasn't super good. effective. No. But it, I agree that the weapons are certainly better there in Tampa for Baker Mayfield than they are right now for the Carolina Panthers. I, I for Bryce Young, I get it, but I do think a, a competent play caller. Um, certainly can have a positive impact and we'll see what they, I mean, this is a deep receiver draft. Uh, I don't, is, yeah, they're not going to get one of the top guys because they're out of the first round, but I, I do expect the Carolina Panthers to probably add a receiver or two, whether it be via free agency or via the draft uh, and to help kind of get some help for Bryce Young. So I, I'm probably a little bit more optimistic about the Panthers than I am about the New England Patriots offense, but that's not saying a whole Splinters. lot. <laughs> But uh, I, I certainly, you know, as currently constructed, there's not a whole lot to get excited about for the Carolina no. Panthers offense. And, and, and Canales, if he starts off 0-3, might want to, you know, watch his back because he may get uh, may want to duck and cover from an incoming vodka cranberry or something like that <laughs> from, from David Tepper all the way from the owner's box. Anyway, let's move on to the Las Vegas Raiders and Soppy. I don't know about you. But I'm so excited for Antonio Pierce because okay, that guy just feels like the head coach of the Raiders. And he has went from interim head coach to now the official full-time head coach heading into the 2024 season. Offensively, though, this is an offense that could change. And maybe we got a small glimpse 
to who the big players are going to be heading into the 2024 season with the way they finished with Aiden O'Connell under center, J Josh Jacobs hurt and injured and missing the final couple games. We saw the emergence of Zamir White, um, you know, Devontae Adams, Jacoby Myers. Yep. That's the victory flag. That's the lap we're going to be seeing you take virtually for the next couple <laughs> for the rest of the year, forever, maybe. But uh, what are your thoughts on Antonio Pierce? officially becoming the head coach of the Raiders. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't change a ton because obviously we saw it last year. Zamir White and Atajay Spears' sense excites me for a guy that should step into the feature role. I'm going to have the two projected pretty similarly here as 15 to 17 touches as a lead guy. In an offense that has, it's going to have peaks and valleys. I have more off, more offensive expectations, I guess, of the Raiders than I do the Titans. So maybe that's going to put White in a better spot to be in scoring position, things like that. The versatility is there, assuming Josh Jacobs is out of town, as we all expect. But Devontae Adams led the league 33% of their targets last season. That's a huge number. He's a target earner, a target beast. If he can get the touchdowns, we should see another top 15 receiver season from him. Jacoby Myers, you mentioned it, career high, eight touchdown receptions. Part of my math there was behind Jimmy Garoppolo, which obviously wasn't really the case, but we'll take it where we can get it. Jacoby Myers, I think, is a good player. He's moved outside a lot more in 2023 than he, or yeah, in 2023 than he was 2022. I'd like to see him in the slot more. Those are layup targets. Those are high floor targets that I think Aiden O'Connell can kind of hit. I mean, we saw him multiple, multiple touchdown passes in three of his last four games. If that sticks and he's the quarterback of the future, we might be onto something. If not, and Aiden O'Connell regresses a little bit or isn't isn't much above average, and I think Jacoby Myers probably on the outside looking in at flex value, but if O'Connell can take that next step playing alongside Devontae Adams, should be plenty of looks. So Adams and Zamir White starters for me. Myers is a little flexy right now. We'll have to see if the Raiders decide to continue to move forward with Aiden O'Connell as their quarterback. Um, that is certainly one thing kind of worth monitoring here. Luke Getze was named the offensive coordinator of the Las Vegas Raiders on the staff of Antonio Pierce, which we saw I middling success, probably more struggles than yeah. success there in Chicago uh, as the play caller for Justin Fields. But what we did get a glimpse of was a feature receiver in a Luke Getze oh, yeah. offense with DJ Moore seeing an overwhelming amount of targets, which could continue to be the case for Devontae Adams heading into next season. And speaking of heading into next season, that's what we're doing here on the PFN Fantasy Podcast. Again, if this is your first time coming across the YouTube channel, go ahead, like, subscribe, click the bell so you get the ding, ding, ding every single time we drop a new bit of video content here on the channel. If you're listening via podcast, go ahead, subscribe, rate, review, a five-star review. Gets us off on the right foot starting the 2024 NFL offseason. Uh, also, if you have not yet done so, go over and check out some of our tools, even though we're in the offseason. But, hey, if you've got a dynasty team and you're looking to offload or acquire some assets, we have a PFN tra uh, Fantasy Trade Analyzer over at PFNFantasy.com that you can use. It's absolutely free, so go ahead and check it out. Until next time, everybody, that's Kyle Sapi. You can find him over at Exit Kyle Sapi PFN. I'm Derek Tate. You can find me at Derek Tate NFL over on X. Until next time, everybody. Later, says the Tater. <laughs>